0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the OGV Community Catch-Up podcast, a podcast where we look through the eyes of a general listener and shine a light on some of the fantastic companies within our OGV community. I've got with me today John Bloomfield of Filmotion. How are you doing today, John? Hi, Andrew. Yes, great. Uh, Good to be here
1: and uh, enjoy having a chat with
0: you. Absolutely. And of course, good to have you as well. So uh, tell me about Filmotion. What do you do?
1: Uh, well, PhilMotion, we, we are owner operators um, of, the mar- of a modern fleet of uh, fully crewed remotely operated vehicles or ROVs. Um, we provide uh, subsea survey inspection and intervention uh, services globally uh, to the offshore energy sector. Philmotion um, are based in Ellen in Aberdeenshire. The company was founded back in 2004 um, and through organic growth and uh, investment, have been building on on the fleet to to the to large fleet of ROVs that we've got now. The ROVs themselves are split over ten types, to include the three major groups of the large work class systems. Uh, then we come down to the sort of intermediate side, of the inspection observation uh, class systems, and then to the to the micro systems. And we couple that to we've got some very skilled and experienced crews. Uh, And then the the systems are complemented by quite a large range of specialist equipment that we've deployed uh, now all over the world. We've got over 17 years experience gained in some of the harshest environments in the offshore energy sector. And I believe we've built up a wealth of experience and and offer an efficient and value for money quality service. And we cover both the oil and gas and the offshore wind sectors with a diverse service. Uh, offering from oil and gas platform inspections and FPSO class surveys to offshore wind structure survey and inspection. Okay, so, um, so how much that business is based in more traditional oil and gas? Well, back in 2004 when we started, uh, nearly all of our business uh, came from the oil and gas sector. But you know, looking 17 years down the line, the world has seen the UK lead the way with rapid growth of offshore wind technology. And FilmOcean has grown with this shift in energy production, providing a complete service offering to the offshore wind sector. Uh, FilmOcean are now deeply involved in offshore wind, having completed a diverse range of projects from cable lay uh, to floating wind farm installation, and annual inspection and maintenance tasks for fixed offshore uh, wind structures. So we do bring with us a lot of experience, lessons learned and transferable skills to the offshore wind sector from the oil and gas market. Um, And we also bring um, a lot of specialist equipment that have been developed over the years, which are ideal for for the offshore wind projects, including uh, mooring chain measuring equipment for floating structures, which Motion Design developed and and indeed went on to patent um, It's originally designed for the FPSO uh, market for their their mooring systems, but it's directly transferable to offshore wind mooring systems. It's a digital system operated from the ROV and offers a speedy and cost-effective results in real time.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting stuff. So can you tell me a bit about some of the services that Filmotion offer?
1: Yeah, um, we offer a broad range of services, but typically, we offer uh, services that cover the full life cycle uh, of an asset from from the very beginning of the installation and through to annual maintenance inspection and intervention work and then right through to final decommissioning uh, so obviously the decommissioning side is 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 quite a big sector in the oil and gas but it, it we're still to get there in, in offshore wind as many of the structures are just being uh, put in now for a sort of 25 30 year uh, envisage life. But typical services are pre and post-lay inspection and survey of either the cable or or pipeline, um, as-built and as-found surveys, unexploded ordnance, UXO, uh, metrology, photogrammetry, 3D data scans, obviously subsea structure, condition and weld inspections, um, cable connection and hookup, and scour a mattress protection for floating. Um, sorry, scour a mattress ins- inspection, uh, looking to see if there's been any shift in the mattresses or uh, through tide or current, um, and is everything still in place? And and for floating, um, the anchor placement monitoring. Um, Obviously, being subsea, there's a buildup of marine growth on structures which requires either measuring and monitoring, and where necessary, removal. Uh, and we have a, a range of subsea cleaning tools in our armory that we can draw upon for this. And typical NDT uh, survey inspection would colour uh, cathodic protection, CP, um, anode depletion um, survey. Flooded member detection, FMD, uh, and ultrasonic wall thickness, um, UT. So quite a, quite a broad uh, range of services. Many are bespoke, uh, but that, that really covers the typical type of uh, projects that we would cover.
0: Yeah, well, thanks a lot for that. That's a very, um, that's very, very detailed and definitely a very interesting, uh, interesting range of services you provide. Could you give me like a little bit of information about some of the equipment you use, like the, uh, the big fleet of ROVs?
1: Yes. If I start with the, the largest, we've got large work class, uh, 150 horsepower machines. They've got, they're fitted with uh, twin manipulator arms, very powerful pieces of, uh, of equipment, uh, really designed uh, to be launched from a vessel and they, they can handle the tides and the currents that are out there. They, they go up to 4,000 meters in depth or they can go obviously in the uh, Wind sector, we're more likely to be operating it around 30, maybe 40 metres in depth. So for the for the construction phase, for the pre-survey, that, that's where they come in. You know, mattress installation work, they would fit right in there. Coming down to the, the slightly smaller machines, the uh, observable or inspection class ROVs, these are obviously smaller. They can get into tighter spaces. Um, They're ideal for your everyday inspection tasks, Um, they can handle the weld inspection tools and the uh, cathodic protection tools where they'll do um, CP stabs or CP scans and it's just very, very versatile and actually we have developed a launch recovery system for one of the systems that can be utilised on a smaller vessel. Indeed, if the vessel has um, a davit, we have actually launched from the vessel without any launch recovery system at all. And we've even launched one of our Falcon ROE systems on the inside of a monopile back in 2013. I, I don't believe that anyone had done it before, uh, maybe proved wrong. Um, but we were involved in a, um, a weld inspection campaign in the southern North Sea. And the currents and the visibility just sort of ruled out doing it from the outside, so we, we launched from the inside of the, uh, the monopile. That was quite a successful campaign. Then we come down to the, the microsystems. systems. Um, They're really for um, that emergency eyes on where something's happened. You need to see what's going on subsea, so, so it can. It's helicopter transportable. Or, you know, it can go on the vessel with with the pilot, and it's hand launched. So. You'd be able to get um, pictures and and, uh, images of what's happening subsea very quickly back to the base or wherever it's needed. And I think um, some of the changes I've seen in the last just couple of years really, um, there there is a drive to limit the amount of people that go offshore nowadays. And that obviously brings um, health and safety uh, risk savings uh, with the general, um, you know, generally having people offshore. So we, we are now doing inspections where the ROV crew are going offshore to pilot the ROV and, and fly it, but the inspection teams stay onshore and they monitor the ROV uh, remotely through video links and live data, data stream. That's proving to be uh, very successful. And it obviously limits, uh, limits the POB um, whether it's on the vessel or um, on, on a platform. So I think that as we move forward, that will become more and more the norm. So, yeah, um, some changes afoot.
0: That's, uh, that's some very interesting stuff there. So um, you're based of in the north of Scotland. Is that where most of your business is conducted?
1: No, not at all. Um, you're right. We we are based in Allen in Aberdeenshire, uh, but we we have projects uh, all over the world. We've got projects at the moment in Angola and on the west coast of Africa, um, and, you know, in, in the North Sea as well. Uh, it, it's constantly shifting. Um, we are in the Ivory Coast not so long ago. And we've been out in Asia. Uh, so, no, the, the world is quite a small place. We do have some in-country partners uh, around the world that we utilise. And nowadays, um, we, you know, with shipping links that are improving all the time, the world is a smaller place indeed.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. So, what kind of investment can we expect to see in the future of the business?
1: Um, I think uh, I mean, we've 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 had major investment in the last couple of years, where we've spent several million pounds on the ROV fleet, uh, strengthening it. Uh, we've had a fifty percent increase in personnel in the last twelve months, which I think is um, is, is quite a, a good and. Um, interesting figure considering it happened during lockdown period and with that expansion we've now actually outgrown the building that we're in so we have uh, secured a site and we've got planning approved and we're having a new building uh, built for us which we hope to move into uh, towards you know the end of this year we going into next year uh, still in Ellen not very far away from where we are at all but it'll be a, it's a bespoke building a much bigger workshop Test tank facilities, um, bespoke rooms for uh, inspection personnel to run projects from onshore, as we discussed, and obviously some some good and nice um, office space um, to go in. So we we've obviously been, we've been working hard with with our clients, develop some very good relationships, and we have some good contracts and framework agreements which we'll uh, be building on. I would see you know in. Further investment in ROV equipment and personnel and, and crew as well. So it's it, it's it's actually been a bit of a whirlwind, uh, yeah, year and a half. If if I go into so talking about lockdown, I think it was the twenty third of March. Uh, we you know we were told that we had to start working from home. The workshop uh, obviously had to remain open because you you can't do that from home, but. You know, protocols were put in place for safety um, and uh, we looked at the government guidelines and adapted the workspace accordingly office personnel uh we were all working from home and i think we all thought at that time that you know it's be two or three weeks at home and then it'll settle down we'll be back in the office and little did we know that uh, you know pretty much 18 months later we're still here so um you know i am working am slowly tr- transitioning back into the office and doing two days a week in the office and three from home. Whereas before I was obviously working from home all the time. So um, it's good to be back and it's good to see the colleagues in, in person and obviously uh, to get the uh, the chatter that you miss really when you're in the office. And uh, I think it's that's quite important. But you know, importantly, I think we, we, we did see a dip in business for sure in, in March uh, and April where there was that feeling of uncertainty and I don't think our clients really knew what was going to happen and uh, moving people around, especially worldwide, became you know, a little bit more problematic with um, you know, quarantine and, and, and all the rest of it that goes with it. But I think once we got into you know, June, July, the, the inquiries started to pick back up again. Uh, projects started to get a green light and we saw systems going back out and and working and all over the summer we we were really very busy indeed and um, I think the whole team just just pulled together and managed to get you know every project was crewed the equipment prepped, everything went out on time Um, you know so you know hats off to to everyone really Um, workshop crew and and, um, you know project crew and the office team and getting everything out the door in a, what I can only describe as um, you know times that we'd never seen and no one could have guessed it. No one could have could have um, put a plan together to see how we're going to go through this because it never been done before. Um, so yeah, I think we we did really well and it's continued to be busy all through uh, the Christmas period and, and, in fact, in the new year. And we're still, you know, experiencing busy times now. And in fact, part of the investment of, um, you know, purchasing extra ROV equipment was due to, um, you know, the, just trying to fulfil the demand for uh, the, the equipment. We we don't like to, to let anyone down, but we almost got into a situation where everybody wanted the same thing at the same time. So... We had to uh, either turn work away or, or have further investment, and we took the further investment route, which I think was the right decision. A year and a half down the line, um, we, we find it you know, in a very different position to we're in uh, then. We've all learned by, I think, our experiences of uh, you know, problem-solving on, on, on the move, uh, and I think the team has is, is gelled together really well um, and, you know, working from home, we found new ways of doing things and uh, it's it, it worked. So I'm really looking forward to getting the new building and, you know, having all my colleagues uh, together um, and we can build on that um, that success.
0: It does sound like you've been quite successful with some of the online working and the working from home aspects. I know you've got the new building coming, but do you think some of those, uh, some of that working from home is going to stay sort of in the future?
1: I think it is here to stay. I, I think that from a company point of view, it's always a worry that, you know, the workforce are going to be working from home and, you know, let's be honest, you know, are you going to work or are you going to go outside and cut the grass and sunbathe? And I think in reality, I mean, I can only really speak from, from a personal point of view, but in reality, you still get up at the same time of day and, you know, you have your breakfast and then you'd normally get into your car or the bike or the bus or whatever you do to get to work. Well, that, that commute time is now gone. So you you just immediately you pop the laptop on and you start work. So you, you're actually working, I think, slightly longer hours um, in, in many instances. And it also offers flexibility, you know. It, it, how many times have we been on the phone uh, on a web call and somebody says, oh, I'm sorry, you know, there's, there's Amazon at the door delivering something. And it almost became the new norm. And, you know, it, it, it's quite acceptable to pop off and make a cup of tea. Uh, um, you know, and, and answer the door, and it just became um, the new norm. I think the other shift was that um, I used to uh, attend a lot of conferences and events. Um, obviously, I'm in the business development side, and you know, we'd all go suited and booted. And then, of course, the, the teams and the Zoom calls came, and everybody's in sweatshirts and t shirts and stuff. And uh, you know, the ties have been ditched, and it's almost a more relaxing way of doing business. Yeah, so. Um, a dr- dramatic shift um, as far as working in in lockdown.
0: So, what would you say your company is doing to reduce its impact on the environment? Um,
1: I think one of the, um, the more, more important thing that we did is we we replaced all the um, the oils in our um, in our ROVs to an environment environmental friendly um, oil that's uh, biodegradable. That that was the uh, probably the, the biggest step. From the other point of view, we always look at, um, you know, transport and is there any way of minimising, you know, our, our footprint. Uh, and quite interestingly, um, our new building will be carbon neutral. Uh, We're we putting measures in place to offset um, all the carbon that um, that is produced. So, you know, that's, that, that's going to be a, a really important thing for us and was obviously it very key in, in the designing and developing of the building
0: so um so uh, what advice would you give to graduates and other sort of young people who are looking to get into the industry
1: I think it's um it's certainly still an industry that is um, you know is going through expansion you know certainly on the offshore wind side uh, there's work for many many years in the future I think there's different areas that I, I recommend go into um, There's obviously the um, the maintenance side for all of these wind farms that are going on, both onshore and offshore. So mechanical engineering is still very important. Um, Electrical engineering is still very important. Um, Certainly in our sector, um, the ROV work, um, it's it's very steady, very strong. I can see some consistent growth there. In busy periods, there's certainly a shortage of, of crews. Uh, I mean, we're fortunate, and then we have quite a high number of retained crew that we can use. So, if you're looking to go into the ROV side, then I would say um, you know look at the ROV technician side, the piloting. Um, it's another route to to look at. Anything to do with, I think, electronics, electrics, and mechanical side is still a really good area to to get into from apprenticeships and, and graduates. And obviously, the, the, there are lots of courses to support this. So the industry is, is still growing. Um, the oil and gas industry is uh, is still going to be there for many, many years. Uh, there's, there's a lot of work. And I think lastly, the decommissioning side uh, offers uh, lots of opportunity for people coming into the business. There are lots of aging assets um, in the North Sea and, and around the world that, uh, that are going to need decommissioning. And looking further into the future, uh, you know, the wind turbines that are being put in now with you know projected life of 25 or perhaps 30 years, that will start a natural cycle of, you know, decommissioning or repurposing of the site. So the, the decommissioning sector, I think, is, is still
0: an important area to be looked at. Well, uh, thanks a lot for talking to me, John. It's been a pleasure. Uh, where can people find Philmotion online and on social media? um
1: online is uh, to our website which is uh filmotion.com, uh on linkedin uh if you'd like to follow us we have a lot of news and, and events going on on there uh and we're also on twitter and facebook and uh i don't think you can uh, you cannot not find this um and obviously uh google gets you right to uh to our website as well we are revamping the website, which is good. Uh, so another few months. You'll see a, a refresh. Uh, We're we'll constantly trying to move forward. But as we've said in the last uh, 20, 30 minutes, there's an awful lot going on in the film motion world in the last 12 months. So we need to uh, to update our, our website just to show. But yeah, I think LinkedIn, um, follow us on there, and you'll be kept up to date with everything that's going on. So thank you very much, Andrew.
0: Thanks a lot. Perfect. Well, we'll keep all the uh, all the relevant links and information in the podcast description. You can find that there or, of course, by Google as well. And uh, you can find us on ogb.energy and on all social medias. Thanks a lot for listening. And we'll be back next week with another interview from a company in our OGB community. See you next week. And thanks a lot.